Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Sit, boo boo, sit, boo boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat hair. It's a cool show. Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful Brumula. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. And I am Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 1. Damask Leary, how was your move to Western Australia? Oh boy, it's been a time. It has been <laughs> a time. Um, the actual flying across the country was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we found a house, we've moved in, and just as I was getting settled, feeling comfortable, good old Perth went into a lockdown. We had some mm. cases. Um, I just thought it was Perth rolling out the welcome mat as a Melbourneian, being like, oh, we know what you guys like. It's a cute little lockdown. <laughs> so, I've, I've been enjoying that. Yeah, it's been good. Um, how long did the lockdown last for? Just three days in the end? It was only three days. So, it was hilarious, okay. the reaction when the news was announced and I, I went to the Bottolo, the alcohol store, and people were losing their minds. It was a riot, yeah. It was, Amazing. It was, it was rather cute, adorable. Mm. Oh, you've missed so much in Melbourne. It's been fucking grey and cold most of the time. It's actually quite nice at the moment. Um, I made a day of it. I've been to the dentist. I got a flu shot. Oh, um, look at you go. Yeah, having a, having a ripper of a day today. <laughs> uh, we should talk before we get into our review today... The fact that now that Damascus is living in Western Australia, uh, which I did do the maths on this, that means we are 3,410 kilometres apart. Or for those who are living in the States, and does the UK do miles as well? I think they do. Who knows? 1,694 miles apart. We're now doing this mm-hmm. remotely from now on. So, this is all being done via Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. So, if you notice like a little bit of a difference in delays and you know it's not quite the same chemistry as we're in the same room, apologies. We'll do our best to try and make up the deficit there. Uh, but this is, unless one of us ha- happens to be visiting the other, this is how we'll be doing it from now on. So, get used to it, bud. <laughs> Uh, with that in mind, let's get into our spoiler-free review of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a Disney Plus sci-fi thriller action television miniseries based on the Marvel Comics characters Sam Wilson, a.k.a. The Falcon, and Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. The Winter Soldier, set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the second such series after WandaVision earlier in the year, and premiered on March 10th, 2021. Created by Malcolm Spellman and directed by Kari Skogland, the series takes place six months after Sam Wilson was handed the mantle of Captain America at the end of Avengers Endgame as he teams up with Bucky Barnes to investigate the anti-global repatriation terrorist organisation The Flag Smashers. Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan reprise their roles as Sam and Bucky from previous MCU films, joined by Wyatt Russell, Aaron Kellyman, Danny Ramirez, Adepero Aduye, Daniel Brühl, Emily Van Camp and a few other recognisable faces that are better 
best left as surprises. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier consists of six episodes, each coming in at around 52 minutes, including an extended credit sequence for each episode, and took us approximately five hours and 15 minutes to watch. A fourth Captain America film is currently in development by the Falcon and the Winter Soldier head creative team as a follow-up to the series. So with that in mind, Damas, can you please remind the listeners listeners what your thoughts are on Marvel, the MCU, and specifically uh, the first Disney Plus MCU show, WandaVision? So I'm a big MCU fan. Generally, every year or multiple times throughout the year, as it were, you and I would go to things like midnight screenings to see whatever's mm. been released. Uh, Captain America is my, or Steve Rogers is my favorite MCU character. Mm -hmm. I'm highly invested in, you know, the first three phases that have gone by. Um, In terms of WandaVision and the stuff that Disney Plus is making, I loved WandaVision. My expectations were high. I was very, very happy with what we got. I've watched it three times already, I think. Um, yeah, just absolutely obsessed. So I was really excited with the fact that, um, Marvel was able to transition pretty seamlessly from what they were doing cinematically onto the TV screen. Obviously we are all ignoring what happened on Netflix. Yes. That doesn't count. That's, I don't think that's even considered canon anymore. Uh, similar feelings, massive fan of the MCU. As you said, go to all the films, uh, first weekend, usually if not midnight screenings of them, especially the big event ones. The, in terms of WandaVision, I wasn't quite as hot as you want, I think, in the rev- in the scoring of it. I gave it a four out of five. I think you might have given it a five out of five from memory. Yeah, because you're a loser. Or at least a 4.5. But a high four from me. I really, really liked WandaVision so much. A- aside from some of the stuff towards the very end, maybe how they treated some side characters, etc. How they had to sort of transition from what was a really interesting just sort of straight up, not send up, but recreation of classic sitcoms with this mystery underneath it into kind of the shitty, shitty fireworks fight scene, Marvel stuff towards the end, which I thought was a bit disappointing, but otherwise loved WandaVision and I'm looking forward to what happens with the rest of those characters. And same as you, Steve Rogers, uh, the first Captain America of the MCU has been my favourite character or superhero from the MCU so far. So very much looking forward to seeing what they did with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Damas, do you want to give your spoiler-free review of Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 1? It would be an honour and a privilege, Brod, as always. Okay, so here we go. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes on the back of WandaVision, as we were just saying, and that's a hard act to follow. WandaVision was inventive, fun and heart-wrenching TV and a welcome addition to the MCU. It met my very high expectations and often exceeded them. Now, these high expectations go hand in hand with how much work the MCU has done to make me fall in love with the universe's characters and the plight of the world they have created. Not only that, this new addition to the MCU is the next step in the journey of Captain America, my favourite Marvel character. But how do you move forward without Steve? It's a hard thing to juggle. And unfortunately, this iteration does fall short for me. There are elements of this show that piqued my interest. It gives us forgotten histories that are fascinating and new perspectives to what heroism is allowed to look like in America. And I think the creatives were right to focus on that element as we journey forward with the symbol of Captain America. Unfortunately, uh, these threads are bogged down with a villain storyline that isn't very compelling. While dealing with the global political consequences of the snap, 
This show forgets to focus such a large issue on people we can identify and empathize with. I understand the plight. Now let me get to know the people behind the movement and not just their political beliefs. And I think it's really hard to do that in six episodes. There was trying to chuck a lot into those six. Falcon and the Winter Soldier want to fit so much in and the existing elements suffer for it. I was filled with excitement after the first episode. The developments given to us were exciting, but where it's taken isn't that compelling. I'm glad we got to spend more time with Sam and Bucky. That's where this show was at its best. We see how their past dictate their present and how the limitations they both face both personal and societal, determine how they view themselves and their place in the world moving forward. And all of that stuff, it is really good. There's so much to explore there. I think this show probably needed another two or three episodes to explore all of that stuff as well as its villains, or they should have just kept it at six and removed that villain element entirely. With the amount of work these characters had to do to get to a stage where they can move forward, perhaps a big bad wasn't necessary. I think perhaps I would have liked a more grounded and personal story of heroes after a big fight. Do we always need someone to punch in the face to get to an emotionally resonant end? I don't think we do. WandaVision proved that some of the best storytelling around these characters are in the quieter moments and the consequences that play out from being seen as a weapon to the rest of the world. This season had the weight of moving the pawns forward. I hope that the film and season two have a little more time to breathe. I'll watch the next film and I will watch season two, but that is more out of obligation and loyalty than a genuine excitement for the next chapter. I think I might go back and rewatch WandaVision for the, I don't know, fourth time, just so I can cleanse my palate and wait out the next few weeks until Loki starts. The yeah, I wonder if there'll be a season two as well. We do know there's going to be a movie to follow up from this. Even if there's, there's not, whatever films or whatever iterations come out, I'm sure I'll check them out. But yeah. it's not because I'm like, fuck yeah, we've started at such a great place, can't wait to mm. move forward. It's because I kind of feel like I have to at this point. I think overall, my feelings on Falcon the Winter Soldier are very, very similar to yours. For me, this is the best. The best time I have for it is it's a mixed bag. There are some really high highs and some equally low lows. Um, My feelings on the show was changing rapidly from episode to episode, sometimes from scene to scene, to the Mm. point that I may have got whiplash, but thankfully not Mickey Rourke's awful villain from Iron Man 2. (laughs) It sort of was like the example of the best and the worst habits of the MCU, but amplified over how you know six episodes. It was almost like six hours worth of content here, I think, in the mm. end. Marvel shines generally with its character work. One of the reasons I think the MCU has been so successful is not just because we've had superheroes doing superhero things. It's because they do the work to make us care about those characters and care about them as individual people beyond just because they're Spider-Man or Captain America or Thor. In fact, if it was just that, I wouldn't care about Captain America, but because they were able to put the work into Steve Rogers in the MCU, he became Mm. my favourite, one of the Avengers, basically. Uh, And so they did the same thing here. They did it in WandaVision. They made me care more about Wanda and Vision and a bunch of other characters that I was meeting for the first time. I look forward to seeing where their stories go as we move into Phase 4. And that's true again with what they've done with Sam Bucky, I think the character work, making me care about those two characters, um, that was the best stuff in the show by far. And I am invested well enough after this, um, especially because they did approach this from slightly different angles than I was expecting them to. And I look forward to seeing where they take that potential, hopefully, 
into future stories with these characters. At the same time, however, Marvel or the MCU has been super hit and miss with its villains. And if I'm counting correctly, there are four distinct villains on the table in this show. I think you were talking about one in particular, but I can yep. think of four different villainous characters that were all having a part to play in this story. Mm. And those and my notes are for pretty much all of them regarding Oh, just- all of them you feel the same way? Cool. Uh, I mean, similar. Sure. Yeah. I, I think these four villains, they run the gambit, gambit from pretty good. I think there's one in particular that I'm relatively or mostly happy with, with a really, really big caveat to mm, mm-hmm, this is a complete yep. waste of time. Why is this here? I would also argue that they may have retroactively made what was a villain I really liked that we'd seen previously worse. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about that when we get into spoilers. Production-wise, I think the show was pretty good from sets to visual effects to action, but it could be a mixed bag as well. The only thing I thought was solid from start to finish on that regard uh, was the music, which was mostly inspired from using themes from past Captain America movies, um, whether it's Steve Rogers' theme getting sort of recreated or or Captain America's theme, I should say, or Civil War themes, etc. being reused. I thought that the music did a really good job there. Um, The unique theme of this show I quite liked. So the music's holding up. Most action scenes were pretty good. Some were less effective than others. I think the less they had to do special effects-wise, the more sort of uh, down and gritty they were, just sort of standard action beat-em-up type stuff, I think is where the show really did it, especially if there was emotion uh, behind it, when there was character stakes. Probably the best action scene in the film, in, in, the, in the show, I should say, was the start of episode five. And it's quite... A, a very motivated scene, an action fight scene between those characters. That mattered a lot to me. What d- did ele- elevate the show a little bit and gave me some hope of maybe where they're going with phase four is what it did with its reasonably challenging political and, and racial themes. It asked some hard questions that haven't really been addressed before in the MCU, maybe in Black Can- Panther, but it asked questions about the idea of the symbol of Captain America and even of the legacy of Steve Rogers that... I didn't expect them to do. I thought now that Steve was off the table, we sort of just moved past from that. Steve is an icon, a beacon, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we would just move on to who's next and why. They made that a lot more complicated than I expected them to, and that's where I was most invested in the themes of the show and what it was willing to do. It reminded me a little bit, actually, it's not quite the same, but something that's interesting about, like, The Legend of Korra as a sequel series to Avatar is it did make you ask some questions about, like, Aang... Not a, a series, a period of Aang that we were um, privy to, but like maybe he wasn't perfect. Maybe mm. there were some things about his view of the world that were naive or yeah. not as complicated or nuanced as they could have been. And that, the, that they're willing to do that with these characters and with the legacy of these characters and the symbols that they are holding, I thought is very, very good. And I look forward to talking about that in spoilers as well. I refer back to my thoughts on WandaVision, which I did think was much more successful, but I give... Marvel a little bit of room here to sort of make some mistakes. What they're doing, turning their cinematic universe into a TV universe as well, nobody has done before. Marvel is pioneering this and they're having to figure it out on their own. They can't be copying notes from anybody else here. If we're lucky, Marvel is going to learn the right lessons from these first couple of series. Give us more of what was good, avoid the bad in the future, and if we're very lucky, this will be the worst that the MCU TV show gets. TV shows get. Uh, what would you give this out of five stars, Damask? I'm going to give this a two out of five. Two out of five? Yeah. So, pretty low. Going yeah. from a five to a two, that's a massive, massive drop. <laughs> it is. I agree. 
That's on par with some of the um, the Netflix MCU shows. Like, I think that's up there with like Iron Fist and the Defenders and stuff. I think I gave Iron Fist like minus 100, but yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's on a different scale entirely. Yeah. I'm going to be a little bit more generous. I'm going to give it a three because I still think the highs were pretty high, but the lows were mm. very, very low. And so, like, mm. three is just a straight average, basically. Um, yeah, I, I can see dipping down to a 2.5, but I'm going to stick with a three. I said, give them a little bit of forgiveness at this stage. But if they were to repeat some of these mistakes going forward as mm. they learn, learn, learn more about this format, I'm not going to be so forgiving, I don't think. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And to make this even more enticing, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1, that show everyone's talking about. (laughs) We would... You know, we're always topical, aren't we, bro? All right, we'd also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, we'll be back with an episode of Off Topic Hot Topic, hopefully with Paul Mitzi from the Swapcast podcast joining us as well. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about a lot of things there, shows we've been watching, um, the Oscars ceremony, mm-hmm. if you, anyone checked mm-hmm. that out last week. I'm looking forward to talking about that. And then the week after that, we'll be back with our review of The Sopranos Season 5. Like, If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of The Sopranos, if you have any thoughts on the Oscars or anything else you've been watching you'd like us to discuss, TV news, etc., 
Or, of course, if you have thoughts on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include in a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 1. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Where would you like to start, Damask? Well, let's start with what worked yeah so i think um the sam and bucky of it all is really what glued it all together held it all together um yeah so those moments i was like oh thank god this is what i wanted so i mean they obviously have such great chemistry Mm. um we have Mm. these two guys with a complex history but they also have like this shared pain as well, you know, Bucky doesn't have anyone else. You know, Sam is the one person he can turn to. Um, his only kind of anchor left in the world. All of that stuff. I was like, yes, please. There, I agree for the most part. It's one of the interesting things I didn't talk about in the spoiler free review. But sometimes I felt like elements that were working were only working on a surface level. And to some degree, I feel that way about the chemistry between Sam and Bucky. Mm. Like in episode two, they just... All of a sudden, they're together because the story mm-hmm. needs them to be now. Um, and they have this sort of bickering buddy cop film energy going on. And that lasts through that episode. There's a lot in that first episode, I think, and maybe a bit in the, in the in the third episode as well. And then it sort of just goes away. And apart from a few key scenes where they really hone in on it, what I didn't necessarily get from the show is a clear idea of where the growth was coming from and why they sort of transitioned to just sort of being more buddy-buddy in terms of Mm -hmm. that more antagonistic two big personalities butting heads, which is what you start with. They just sort of did become friends and stopped being like that with the occasional like, don't hit on my sister and we're not, we're just mates or we're just co-workers. I think at the the beginning there, that kind of antagonistic chemistry they have, I was like, this is great and I think- one of the only times when the humour of the show really worked. We mm. then progress into like the next couple of episodes and they're really leaning quite hard into that kind of buddy cop thing. And it feels hokey to me. It, it really does. I'm like, oh, you're trying really hard for a joke here or a bit of, you know, that I feel like I'm being elbowed by the show being like, Haha, aren't we having fun? And the answer was that I wasn't having fun, but the foundation is there and it exists because of the work that those two actors do. Mm -hmm. So when I get an opportunity to see them work with some really great material, it's all there. But I agree with you that as the season progresses, the, the quality isn't there and I don't think that's their fault. I think it's in the writing and the direction and a whole bunch of other stuff, but the foundation yeah. is there. And when I got to see it, I loved it. I agree, especially Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan's performances. Mm. I think they are both terrific throughout and what they're given to do, whatever they're asked to do on the day, they're doing and doing it really, really well. Mm-hmm. I guess it's Marvel's had this thing as well through the MCU where 
they started doing this like, we're not just making superheroes anymore. This is a heist film or this is a mm. high school comedy film, but with a superhero sort of bit added to it. Sometimes I, that works. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's felt really successful. And sometimes it's felt a little bit like bolted on and we'll call it like a heist film or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And this is one of those times where I was like, they were like, let's make it a, let's make it lethal weapon, but with... Marvel superhero characters and they bolted that idea onto it but they didn't actually ingrain it into the DNA enough to do it justice. It's mm-hmm. it's more a simulation of what that would be rather than an actual key feature of how the, sh- the show is brought together because it's that's ultimately the problem with this show is it's trying to do way too much all the time. It just needed to tone some stuff back, strip mm-hmm. a few characters out of this it would have been better and maybe give us more of a chance to really, really let that chemistry between the characters organically develop the way that it should. Um, yeah, mostly I, it just I, felt like it was forced. Yes. I agree. I think, you know, so much of what I loved about the show and kind of what I was talking about when I said, you know, I don't need these big bads, these like series of villains that we get. Like I would have loved a more grounded and personal story about these two people, how they come together, how they kind of – because they've got very different perspectives for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And how do you fuse those two? How do you come to some level of understanding and genuine respect and friendship? I I would have preferred that story, absolutely. Um, One of my favourite film and TV critics uh, critics that I talk about a lot is a guy named Film Critic Hulk – um, I'm, I'm a subscriber to his Patreon, patron, Patreon, and he sends out an email every week after watching the MCU show. So he did this for WandaVision. And some of his stuff I agree with, some of his stuff I didn't. I thought he was a little bit harsh on. Mm. His Falcon the Winter Soldier stuff has been interesting. Often when I've been high on it, he's still been pretty low, but I thought his thoughts on the finale in particular were really insightful. And one of the things he talked about throughout this is because he, he even felt that like the show in its moments was often doing things that he quite liked, but what it failed to do often was dramatise the themes of the show. So Mm -hmm. while it would have a great scene between, say, Sam and Isaiah Bradley or Sam and Bucky, um, and those would work in and of themselves, one of my old-time, my favourite catchphrases from early days of this podcast in and of itself, um, it didn't dramatise it in what the story was doing around it. So there was none of that connective tissue to make... Mm -hmm a great scene between two characters fit into everything, the events that were happening alongside them that was motivating the story. It just sort of like happened. And I think that's a really big problem that they're going to have to try and fix in future seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, I did want to talk to you. Let's just talk characters for a second and let's talk about Sam. And what was Sam's story this season? What hit and didn't hit? I would actually like you to explain to me what was Sam's story this season? Um. Great question. So I think all of the elements are there for Sam's story. And I agree with you. The cohesion, though, between those elements and the larger picture, there's a real disconnect a lot of the time. So by the time we get to the end, you're like, what? Um, So I think Sam's story is that he doesn't feel as though either he's ready or appropriate for to carry that big mantle that 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 symbol that is Captain America mm-hmm. um, while he respects what it is and so it is his exploration of how a black man could 
fit into that space mm-hmm. um, and feel respectful of the history while simultaneously being able to move forward. Um, yeah, so I think it's those things coming together so we can head into the into the future. There's a lot of um, disconnected tissue to get there. I think there's a lot of distractions and I think some of the best moments – well, what could have been the best moments because um, mm-hmm. it's there, but it's not there as moments with Isaiah. So I mm-hmm. think you could have had the Sam Bucky friendship stuff happening, different ideas of what Steve may have wanted. Then that is paralleled by Isaiah and the history and how heroism has been, or the history of their heroism has been denied to black people and erased. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff. There's, sprinklings of that but fuck i wish they had pulled it off a little better mm. yeah that's that's it it's like i look at it on paper i look at mm. the idea of what they wanted to do to get sam to be captain america and the mm-hmm. elements i think are really good sam giving up the shield i think worked although it wasn't fully explained at the beginning of the season why that's something that comes out as we go along and that's fine mm. had no problem with that the biggest problem i felt though was then a lot of ways Sam kind of became a passenger in a different in in other events that were going on. Everything mm-hmm. was dictated by what was happening with the flag smashes. Everything was Ugh. dictated by like some weird decisions that wasn't necessarily Sam was making. Like Bucky is mm-hmm. the one who breaks Zemo out to go and try and track down the flag smashes or where the super ser- sorry super soldier serum is or where it's coming from, etc. Um, and Sam just kind of follows along <laughs> sometimes. Mm. I wondered even why he was following along because he seemed to not be on board with the methods that were being used. And then we'd have a side scene where we get to talk to Isaiah Bradley and that would work in its moment. Um, I like the idea of Sam, not just because he's going to be the first or the first recognised or or known black Captain America. Obviously, there's been another one, Isaiah Bradley, that was sort of denied history even knowing about that. Um but that he is going to be a Captain America without superpowers. He doesn't mm. have super strength as well. That's a fascinating part of this character. And I've I've known Sam long enough and I like Sam's character so much that I feel like he him becoming Captain America feels right. Mm-hmm. I just don't know whether the show did enough to dramatize that in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think the best example of that comes with how we finish the season where Sam finally takes up the shield after taking it back Ooh, from John boy. Walker. Mm. Right? He gets the costume from Wakanda. We can debate about how good the costume is. I mostly like it. I think I hope by the time they get to the big screen, they maybe make some changes to his neck and his face. I think they did some I'm, weird I things I mostly there. like it as well. I will say his shoulders are too puffy. Yeah. And yeah. also while watching it, I'm like, why is he wearing an entire suit? But like he's chosen the one place not to protect is his brain. <laughs> I think I said yeah. this to you after we watched it. I was like, it's just kind of like yeah. an anti-helmet. Yes, exactly. Anyway, go on. So, yes, I like there. The the funny thing is, that's comic book like that's what the comic does with that costume is he just has he just shows his top of his head for some reason, (laughs) even though more than any other superhero I can think of who doesn't have super strength and flies at extremely (laughs) high speeds, he could really do with some head protection. I think they'll probably alter it a little bit to make it a little Mm. bit more cinema ready. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time we see him again, hopefully that happens. Um, but yeah, then we get like a bunch of different fight scenes. He's doing a good job of being Captain America, using the shield in creative ways, saving people, hostages in a helicopter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then we get to this final scene where he's has this big like 
yeah, rah rah, sort of rah rah, but like a, a down to earth talk with senators about how they need to be doing better. And that's been Sam's superpower in a lot of ways. Is he apparently is just he's a very good at like talking and reasoning with people. But to me, that scene is awfully written and it's does so nothing. terrible. It's like they told Sam, um, I'll just ad lib this for now. We're just like figuring out you guys' marks. And then we'll actually write the scene later because he's just yeah. rambling and it's almost yes. uncomfortable because I'm like, I'm, I'm even struggling to track what your point is here. It, the point was Marvel for, I give them props that they were tackling like complicated African-American, relate, like African-Americans, their history of America and that idea of a black man taking up the stars and stripes. They did a pretty good job of approaching that and not pretending that everything's just okay and that really mm. bad things have happened here and that makes this a difficult thing to, for Sam to do. But then they when they get to a point for Sam to make any sort of real point, it's 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 nothing. It, it is completely empty of any real meaning. It is totally basic wide-reaching platitudes and nothing yeah. else. You need to it's do like, better. Don't Senator. be like Thanos. Senator do Nazi better. Law. It's like yes, but like, what do you want us to? What does that mean? What does that yeah. look like? Yeah, it, it doesn't mean anything, and mm. it's a really unfortunate place to end. I think the show and this character on again. Mm-hmm. The good news is this is not the end of this character. This is the beginning of this character. So we can go a lot of cool places with Sam going forward. I think, and I still really like the idea of him as Captain America. I'm excited because it's is a different approach to that character while also feeling. He feels worthy of the mantle and it feels true to that mm-hmm. legacy, which is great. Yes. But they didn't quite stick the landing on that at the end, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a shame. Uh, what about Bucky? What was his story this season? Uh, his, oh God. Um, so his story this season is, I think, trying to build a ladder out of the hole that he is in. And so what I mean by that is he is wanting of redemption while simultaneously not believing that he is worthy of that. And so he needs to learn one, what does redemption look like? How is, how can you act upon that? Um, As well as I think he sees Steve as this person who could give him worth. If Steve, Mm -hmm believed in him then there was hope Steve is gone so then he needs Sam to do that for him um and I think I don't think he gets there but I think they probably should have is him really learning to kind of be more empowered in like finding that place of oh I can do good I am I can be better and that I don't need someone else to tell me that I'm okay to do good things yeah yeah, for the most part, like, I, I think you're spot on there. It's basically he's still dealing with, like, recovering from being the Winter Soldier. He's no longer programmed to be the Winter Soldier, but he lives with those mm-hmm. memories. He's trying to figure out how to make amends for it. Sam makes an argument in Episode 5 that he wasn't amending, he was avenging. I actually quite like that line. That was really mm-hmm. good. This idea that his methods, because he's only known how to do this through violence, to just try and get the people who he was working for, make sure that Mm. they come to justice, but he's not actually helping the people who were victims of the things that he did. And ultimately that's the, where he gets to how well, 
again, that was dramatized inside the story because most of the time it really felt more like he was still making some pretty terrible choices that didn't really feel like avenging or amending. Like, breaking out Zemo still makes no sense to me whatsoever um, and that he thought that was okay. And then letting mm. Zemo, we'll get to Zemo in a bit, but some of the things they let Zemo get away with, they still just keep him around. <laughs> just a really, really strange choices for our heroes here. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think Sebastian Stan sells the emotional arc of it, even if the mm. show doesn't do a great job of, again, dramatizing it. And it probably helps that it's just a neater storyline than Sam's. Because the problem with Sam's storyline is so much bigger because it's symbolic of so many other things. Bucky's is a much more personal, inward sort of story that's taking place. Mm-hmm. And I like where he gets to at the end of this. It's weird that the show, even at the end where it says Captain America and the Winter Soldier instead of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that he's still being called the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Like you get the feeling like maybe he wants to move on from that title now. Wasn't that <laughs> kind of the, part of the point? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I was into it enough because of the performance, I think, more than anything. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think the performance is everything in terms of Bucky's story. Sebastian Chan was fantastic in this. That flashback scene we had to when um, he was, I think he was getting the arm for the first time after he'd been deprogrammed mm. um, by the Wakandan soldier who shows up uh, a couple of times this season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he was amazing in that scene. I Did you think they did a responsible job with his therapy sessions or his relationship with his therapist? I've seen a few critiques that like, this is like what Hollywood thinks therapy is and it's mm. not a particularly good representation and it's far too simple. And then it went, just when he's making progress, he says, thanks, Doc. See you later at the very end. Like he's going to, he doesn't still, he's still, he doesn't need therapy anymore because he's got Sam around or something. I'm not really sure. It's strange. Yeah. I mean, it's element. it's stupid and almost like a complete waste <laughs> of time. Um, I think like if you're going to add that element of him going to therapy, which is, seems pretty fucking interesting to me. Um, mm. maybe use it, you know, a la Soprano style. Um, like something like that could have been done, but it's just kind of like, what are we doing here? One of my favourite bits actually, one of my favourite scenes, and again, it, it wasn't necessarily well dramatised to get to this moment, but I like the execution of it between Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan is when they're throwing the shield around after they got it back from John Walker and they're mm. having some big talks about like what it means for Sam to be Captain America and why it's hard for him to take up the shield. And uh, Bucky says to Sam, Steve and I didn't think about what it was. When he told me the plan to give the shield to you, Mm. neither of us thought about what it would mean for a black man to be taking up this shield. Mm. How could we? We just didn't have that perspective or that understanding. And I'm sorry. Mm. And I thought that was one of the best sequences um, in the entire show in terms of having a really frank conversation about how about privilege and knowledge and lived experiences and being able to just say, I didn't know and I should have known and I'm sorry. Yeah. And I wish there was a bit more of a focus on that in the show to some degree because mm-hmm. it was like, this is some great stuff that I agree. it's and cool the MCU like, can touch on this. In that scene, even like, even though they're talking about kind of like bigger stuff, while I was watching it, I felt like I was actually watching two men who were friends having like a really emotionally intelligent conversation. I was like, this is fucking great. (laughs) Give me more of this, please. Yeah. Moving on from that, let's Mm. start talking about the villains. What did you make of John Walker 
the new Captain America as assigned by the US military, US government, mm. uh, once Sam hands the shield back to them because he doesn't believe he is mm-hmm. worthy of taking up that mantle, at least not with other people, um, with without the America, I guess, giving him the okay. Steve's word wasn't enough for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they give it to this guy, John Walker. He's a decorated soldier. He's fought overseas uh, in Afghanistan, I believe, is what they've suggested, three medals of honor. Uh, he takes on the mantle of Captain America. He doesn't have any superpowers to begin with. Later on in the series, he gets Super Serum Soldier, uh, Super Soldier Serum. Um, what do you think of this character and his storyline this season? I think this is the villain that works the best. I think Mm -hmm. thematically it makes a lot of sense with what they're trying to do. So, I mean, in comes this guy who, while yes, is a soldier and has worked hard, just walked into that space being like, of course I'm Captain America. Of course I can do this. Like there's no level of questioning um, which like speaks uh, I to... I disagree with that. He he has some hesitations about whether he can do it or not. Like he... Yes, but once he decides, like he's just like, well, therefore all of my decisions are correct. Like he he hasn't really... He doesn't deserve it. He's, he's not... definitely not... He's definitely he's, not worthy of the shield. I don't think he's not without thinking about the responsibility of it and questioning whether he's actually ca- capable of living up to the mantle. I think those things are presented. But the thing presented. is like to question it and to be unsure and then to be like, absolutely, yes, I'll do it. Sure. And then to go like guns are blazing into that, I think mm-hmm. comes from a huge place of ignorance and privilege. And I think that kind of juxtaposition between Sam and Sam's journey yes. and this new Captain America is is really what the focus should have been Agreed. and should have been executed a lot better. I think it's really unfortunate that we have the flag smashes distracting mm. from what could have been like a really clean, clear story. Um, it's unfortunate that kind of he's put to the side towards the end and then brought back for some kind of redemption arc. Um, yeah. So I think like in my brain it works and I can see, I can see how it could have worked really, really well and said so much and done so much for both Sam and Bucky, but particularly Sam. Um, -hmm. unfortunately I think it is waste a little bit because the water is so murky with how many players we, they feel that they need to have in the story, um, the ultimate execution, of the arc even for new Captain America, Walker's character, um, all of that stuff. It's really unfortunate. But, yeah, in terms of the villains, he's the one that works the best for me. 100%. He, I agree with you that he, the, the, the more of the show should be or it should be a bigger focus on him because I think what he does so well is works as sort of the antithesis of Sam and Bucky in different ways, I think. And if we have a discussion about what it means to be Captain America, well, then this is a perfect example. An amazing soldier, apparently. This guy is mm. so well regarded for his ability as a soldier. Theoretically, that's what Captain America is. That's what Steve Rogers was. Mm-hmm. Um, but why that's not enough. Why what really made Steve Rogers special was what made him a great man, not a great soldier. Hence why Sam is the right choice for this. And so in mm-hmm. that regard, he, he works great, I think. For four episodes, I would even argue, he works really well i think mm-hmm. um yep. up to the point where his partner 
Uh, he's, you know, been through several campaigns with previously, is killed, and then he goes way too far and kills another man who wasn't even the person who um, had killed his friend, kills him in cold blood uh, mm-hmm. in public. That was super compelling. What then that meant as, as it drove the story for Sam and Bucky was excellent. Even mm-hmm. after that, where they went as far as to say, you know, this guy... Obviously, he's not right to be Captain America. The super serum soldier soldier serum had a poor effect on him in terms of enhancing the worst parts of his personality. But maybe he's not beyond redemption because we have had some sympathy with him. And there's bigger ideas behind this in terms of what made him like this, what the military and being part of the military Mm. um, did to him. I think that's Mm -hmm. really good and could have worked to maybe lead into some sort of possible redemption further down the line or a more complicated story later into the MCU's future where we look at this guy who's a little bit more grey, a little uh, less black and white, a little bit more lives in the sort of grey areas of morality. But then what they did that really sucked was for some reason, given this super quick and unearned redemption in the last episode, that was mm. awful, that undid everything that they'd spent four episodes building up towards and then just said, oh, it's fine though. You're cool. Bucky will be cool with you now. You'll he'll you'll make jokes about quoting Lincoln and stuff like this and have him understand that what's happening at the end where he gets the black uh, US agent suit from Julie Louise Dreyfus is not meant to be a good thing for him long term. If you understand mm-hmm. the comics, you know that. But it's not done with that sort of um with the right sort of feeling of like dread or that this is this is gonna end badly for him. It's mm-hmm. actually kind of has him celebrating in a weird way that I think it felt to me like the show wanted me to root for him and be happy for him in this moment. Very mm. confused by what they did in the finale. I just wish I wish once he had the shield taken away from him, he just disappeared into the background. He had that one scene where Madame Hydra or potentially Madame Hydra gives him the card and says, we'll be in touch, bud, or gives him the suit even, and then that's Mm. it. And we just wait until whatever that means later on. Yeah, I really didn't need the scene with him trying to save people. I I quite quite liked the scene um, where Mrs... Miss Hydra, what are we calling? <laughs> Madam Hydra, I believe. She's got a Val. Another, it's like I'll call a, her Val. like five part name. I don't know the character's yeah. name. So Val gives him the suit. I quite like that because it makes go fuck. Um, but yeah, that is murky after seeing him save people. I like yes. the idea of like this guy getting angry at the army for taking away his authority um, when he 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 wants that authority so Val comes in Mm. and gives it to him he's like I'll follow orders as long as you make me feel like the good guy I'll I'll do whatever which is like pretty opposite to who Steve was you know as soon as he found out who he was working for or intentions didn't align with his own personal morals he was out Uh, whereas this guy is just like give me a suit give me some power make me feel righteous self-righteous in what I'm doing, I won't really look too closely at what I'm actually doing. So I would have, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Like those, that last uh, action sequence where he gets to save people. Um, yeah, it, it muddies the waters a little bit, which is really unfortunate. Then we move on to Zemo, who's mm. the returning villain from Captain America Civil War. 
who for me was one of the best villains the MCU had had at that point because Mm -hmm. he didn't have superpowers. He was just sort of a mastermind of controlling things behind the scenes. How well well that was really planned out um, in Civil War, you can debate, but let's just, for the sake of agreeing that it had the desired effect and Mm -hmm. he got Avengers fighting each other, Cap and Iron Man in particular fighting each other, his Mm. plan worked and that was pretty compelling as a, as a villain that to know that he could be that manipulative. He comes back into this show and I know this is from the comics that he's Baron Zemo, but all of a sudden this guy's got a bunch of money and a butler and like private jets and things like this. And we're like, oh, mm. we this wasn't really addressed in the movie where he was introduced. This feels like a retcon to begin with. Yeah. The fact that they broke him out at all just 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 does not make sense to me. It's like We've got to we've got to do this. There's only one guy that can help us find and like again desired effect. I guess that was true, but the idea that you would break out this guy that killed multiple people that mm. I, I I don't understand how I'm meant to reconcile that idea um, that Sam and Bucky would allow that to happen mm-hmm. or, or would actively participate in breaking him out of prison. A guy who absolutely deserves to be there. I, yeah, I can't I th- figure. It, I can't do it. I mean, yeah, the Zemo thing didn't work for me because one, like a lot of, you know, the Flag Smasher and the Sharon Carter stuff, which we'll get to later, mm-hmm. um, I felt like it was distracting me from the show that I actually wanted to watch. And mm-hmm. so those moments where they go off with Zemo and, I don't know, have their adventures that I'll, I was honestly barely paying attention to because I found it very boring. But it really reeked to me of, all right, people must really love this guy from the comics and so you'll really enjoy watching him dance in a club. And I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Because I don't have that. And so just as someone who doesn't read the comics and it's just purely MCU, I was like, I'm not sure what I am meant to be getting out of this unless I understand the wink and I don't get the wink or why this would be wink. fun. I think that was their way of trying to make us like him enough to accept that he, that Bucky and Sam would have them have him along. Right, that he can have a little bit. Well, of a I joke, thought it was like them going, "Oh, we know you guys love Zemo. Here's, here you go. Here's Zemo doing a dance. Isn't that fun?" Definitely, that's part of it. And mm. they were trying to change his character because I also think a big part of why he's in this show at all is to position him for something in the future. Mm. They want him. They wanted him not in Munich or wherever it was that they got him from at the start of in in episode three. They wanted him in the raft. <laughs> mm. So let's take mm-hmm. him out of there. Have him participate in this story for a bit so that he can be put in the raft, which is where we actually need him placed um, mm-hmm. for future stuff. That's the biggest problem I'm seeing here is like you couldn't character motivate it and you could plot motivate it slightly. Like you found the tiniest little way of foothold of going, this guy could be helpful, mm-hmm. but you did not do the work to, mo- to make me believe that our heroes, A, should be or B, would break this guy out, allow him to get away with what he gets away with. Because he gets away with a lot. He indiscriminately kills people in cold blood. The best mm-hmm. example of that being in episode, end of episode three when he kills the guy, the guy who made the, the uh, super soldier serum, which mm-hmm. I understand that's exactly what Zemo would do. But if we are to get really pissed off and be on Bucky and Sam's side when John Walker kills a person in cold blood... We have to have Sam and Bucky reacting to that scenario when mm-hmm. Zemo does it exactly the same. Yeah. It's like, yes, he stopped more of the serum being made. That's a good thing, I suppose. But he still shot an armed man or a man that um, yeah, that didn't need to die, basically. 
a man mm-hmm. that did not have superpowers and was not going to beat Sam and Bucky. Yeah. And the fact that they just let him show up in a car and then take off and escape multiple times and all this sort of shit fucking makes no sense to me whatsoever. It and felt really cartoonish, mask, yeah. The mask was the nod that I didn't get. There's a bit where they break him out. He goes to his car. He pulls out a mask. It's an iconic look from the comics. He mm. puts it on for one scene for a bit of action. He never puts it on again. We never discuss why it's there. We never discuss anything about what that means. Mm. It's just done for the sake of yeah. I it did being recognize in the, comics and he's gone. the mask, and I was like, oh okay, but yeah, I yeah I didn't care obviously. Um, yeah, it just it, felt so. It felt weird to me. Like I weird simply because. With who I knew him to be, like this kind of fanatical but stoic man who had lost his family in these really tragic circumstances. And now he's like this funny villain. Like it just, I was like, what is happening? And I I was confused and it felt like weird kind of off brand. It felt off brand to me. The only thing I appreciate about Zemo was that while they tried to change his character and how he felt from a personality point of view, Mm. I do appreciate that he is consistent in what he wants. His desire Mm -hmm. is there to be no superhero people because he sees that as a huge problem in the world that people can just Mm -hmm. be indiscriminately more powerful than other people and, and force their will on the world. And so when he's doing things like killing that scientist who's creating the serum or like smashing the serum what's in front of him and not taking it for himself, which I think are worse story would have done would have found a way to make him justify doing it for himself because it's for the Mm. good of the world or whatever that consistency i really appreciate about that character but that's about it Mm. in terms of yeah i would have enjoyed you know those moments say he kills that guy and he does it with like such passion and conviction and really trying to get everyone around him to truly understand why this is so, so important. But instead it's kind of like, oh, he's being so silly or like, oh, my gosh, what a naughty boy, which is mm-hmm. was not the vibe I wanted. All right, let's move on to Carly and the Flag Smashers then. Just a mess of a character and an Hated idea. It. Yeah. It, so the, one of the things that has been fascinating so far, I think, about the, the stuff post-Endgame Mm. in terms of the last Spider-Man film, WandaVision and Captain America, uh, sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. is that they have do seem to be addressing, at least giving lip service to, that the idea that half the population disappeared and mm-hmm. five years later reappeared would have really huge repercussions on the way the world works. Great. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they're not just sweeping that under the rug. I'm glad it's something we're addressing. However... So far, it has been nothing more than lip service. Things are hard. Mm-hmm. There's lots of homeless people. There are refugees. There's, you know, it's an awkward situation for some people um, and a, a terrible situation for some people. But so far, it hasn't been dramatized in any sort of real way. Well, it's not personalized. Um, like, they try to do it with, like, a moment with Sam, like, coming back and not being able to get a loan and stuff, which, like, you know, I think is, is good stuff there. It gives you context to, like, how hard it is for people but then to introduce this group of revolutionaries slash terrorists, depending on your perspective, to not really understand who any of them are is such mm-hmm. a waste of my fucking time. I'm like, yeah, that would be terrible. Maybe let's make a story or a show about 
about them. If you really want to dedicate your time to that, don't squash it into these six episodes. Make a show about a group of super soldiers who are trying to fight for all of these refugees that have been created by all these people coming back. Um, you know, they're the underdogs. They, they are the heroes who are seen as villains. Like that's a really interesting story. What they give us is a boring. It's, it's always just a line is the problem or a mm-hmm. conversation between mm-hmm. two people just while they're hanging out. Like where is a scene where we're in one of those refugee camps or something like that. People are being denied basic human rights and humanity. Mm. And Carly shows up and her group of a handful of other super soldiers and they see shit go down and they get involved and people are better off and thankful mm-hmm. for it. And maybe their methods are extreme and maybe some people raise their eyebrows, even some of the people they're saving raise their eyebrows and go, I appreciate what you did, but you know, you didn't need to do it this way or whatever. You can still have it be complicated, but dramatize in a way where I can see any of the actual effects or any of the thing they're really fighting for beyond mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's been really tough. We should do something mm-hmm. about this. Even like, well, I still don't really understand what their goal really was. What their plan was? They wanted, they were super soldiers. They wanted to make more of them because the fight was bigger than they thought. And yeah. somehow put together this like secret society using an app um, to <laughs> yeah. that when they need to, they can seem to activate people in society. But it's never understood how or why or mm-hmm. any of that sort of stuff. It's just not fleshed out beyond mm. the bare minimum. And it's the opposite of drama. It is so, so, so bad. And then Carly herself as a character. I just don't know what the show wanted me to do with her specifically. Mm. Where they were trying to make her sympathetic, sometimes it felt like that. Were they trying to make her set, uh, scary? Sometimes it felt like that. Were they trying to make her complicated? Maybe, but she came across as none of those things. She mm-hmm. just came across as a mess. There was nothing compelling about her ultimately, except the things I was being told about her or that were being said. Her actions, there was nothing consistent to make me go, oh, I understand who this person is. There was just nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with absolutely everything you said and I felt that every time we were forced to be in a scene with her and her people and like a panning shot of like sad children in rags like it's not it's not enough like I need to know who these people are she can be a complicated hero she can be a complicated villain whatever Mm -hmm. but I don't want a like it wasn't complicated it just felt confused yes and that's the thing I know the MCU has had its problem with its villains, but it has been able to do this successfully at least once before, with the best example of that being uh, in Black Panther, uh, Killmonger, mm-hmm. played by yep. Michael B. Jordan, is, and even Thanos to a degree. It's like Thanos's uh, methods are extreme, obviously, but we get enough of an understanding of his situation to understand what he's trying to achieve and why and why he thinks it's the right thing to do. And mm-hmm. also the thing that makes Thanos compelling, I think, is that he's actually good at what he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. that helps a lot as well. I yes. I believe that he has been able to achieve what he's been able to achieve. Mm-hmm. Same with Killmonger in Black Panther. The best thing about him as a villain is that ultimately he was right. It's just his methods were wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what made him a fantastic villain. And that's what made Black Panther one of the best MCU films out there. Yeah. Um, ultimately, with, with Carly and the Flag Smashers, They just didn't need to be in here. Just remove them wholesale. Have it be like Hydra is trying to 
come back from the grave or even like Hydra impersonators, people who are just feeling disempowered or trying to take advantage of the situation and are doing bad things. So they've got a, a bad guys to chase and that way you can incorporate the Walker versus the um, Bucky and Sam stuff. But we just did not need Carly. It didn't add anything to the show. No, we didn't need a figurehead for that plot. I agree. No. Like you could have like people like the Flag Smashers, which are pretty much just people who agree with Thanos or benefited from the mm-hmm. what Thanos envisioned. So you'd have like a cult that just follows Thanos or whatever and like agrees That's such to a that. Good idea. And they're just kind of oh. like people that exist and you're fighting off fighting them. Like that's fine. That's such a good idea. Like to have someone come in say, Yeah, I understand that you were away for five years and you didn't want this to happen, but while he was gone, when, when, so when you were gone, what happened here actually did start to have good repercussions mm. and we're worse off now because of it. And while you might not agree with those methods, maybe this was better. And like, that'd be cool. Um, that would be actually way more interesting. A Thanos cult would have been really, really, really cool. <laughs> I wish they'd done that now. That's a great idea. Um, but yeah, they, what they did with Carly just didn't need to be there. Only yeah. one villain worse though. There is one worse than Carly. Oh, what give it to me. Yep. Fuck! Did they do with Sharon Carter? Oh my what, god! What, what is this? Uh, how annoying! Like, <laughs> and it's not just like the execution is so bad. I think it's yeah, episode three that we were actually yep. watching together. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go to, I think it's called Manipur. Ma- 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 Mandrapur, wherever it Ma- is. Yeah, Madripoor, Yeah. Madripoor. Um, just like the worst episode. <laughs> So, like, that was the episode I'm like, oh, cool, they're making a CW superhero show. Like, yeah. it was felt so cheap. Sharon is not an interesting character. Um, I see that they're trying to make her interesting. It has not worked. Um, it just felt like another waste of my time. Don't care about her. Certainly not this iteration of her that has turned evil. Um mm-hmm since all that's happened in the world. This person was the power broker or whatever. The power broker. I barely, f- I, I'll be honest, didn't really follow it, didn't really care. Because every time it was brought up, I was like, skip. Well, I didn't actually skip it, but I wanted to. Mentally, I was not I was not there. Mm. Well, you yeah, every time I'm having a discussion with people about this show, mm. it's like I mentioned Sharon Carter or the power broker. And people go, oh, yeah, that part. It was yeah. so inconsequential. <laughs> And also, yeah. so clearly going to be Sharon Carter. Like they've, they've got this mystery about who the the power broker is, but the power broker is really not having any real influence on the plot. And so you're going, well, it's going to be someone we know, I guess, who mm. was also in Mandra- Mandrapur, and I guess it's Sharon Carter. And then it's Sharon Carter, and they're meant to go, yeah. oh my god, she's a power broker. And I'm like, yeah, and but like, who gives a shit about the power does- broker? What does that mean, though? What what does it mean? The only... Again, it was like the Zemo thing. They've done this to get to a point where they needed Sharon Carter to be bad and back with inside the US government slash S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever she's doing now to move events on in the future. But it did not belong as being a part of this show at all. Agreed. It just did not belong here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it just makes me go, whatever they're setting it up for is going to be... Shit. Like, if this is how you start it, like, yeah. I really doubt that you could make something interesting out of it. Like, particularly if it's made by the same people, I'm just like, no, thank you. Well, that's where, so what we understand, and this we'll talk about this when we get to our sort of uh, predictions, hopes, concerns, etc. 
mm. is that the same creative team behind Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be doing Captain America 4, which the, obviously is going to follow Sam and most likely Bucky. Mm. The thing is, when it's focused on those two characters and John Walker, I would argue, the show mm. works relatively well. Mm-hmm. So, my hope is that that means if it's a more focused story, um, like a movie, then that will work. To me, all the stuff, maybe the Carly stuff might have been their fault, but I feel like Zemo and Sharon in particular was like, that's the MCU forcing itself on this show forcing its mm. way into this plot and saying you have to include these characters to set up other stuff in the future and the show not having the room for it, nor the creative team actually putting any time or, in, or in, investment into it because they don't care about that. That's not the story, yeah. right? They're just mm-hmm. bolt-on parts that need to be there to set up other stuff. So mm. that's the bit that gives me hope that future stories with those where they can actually focus on Zemo and Sharon Carter in a proper way and they aren't just late additions... Mm-hmm. might be good and also why I'm, I have high hopes or some hopes at least that Captain America 4 is going to be better ultimately than this show was. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. I don't think either of us really have side notes. Funny thing about how we watch this show, mm. I watched it every episode as it came mm-hmm. out on Friday night like I did WandaVision. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't have was a real inclination to rewatch it. Because when I did no. WandaVision, I went back through and I watched it a second time or a third time sometimes and started taking notes. Didn't feel compelled to do that with this show. And I don't think mm. it was complex enough to really do it. So I don't have any side quotes or anything like that. The only question I really had for you before we get into least favorite and favorite episode, how do you feel about the inclusion of the Wakandans into this story? Um, I mean, it, it plot-wise, it makes sense because of Zemo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the relationship between Bucky and the Wakandans because I forgot about that. Sure. Um, that they would have a relationship. Um, I don't know. It's part of the Zemo thing, so I just don't really care. But I want more of the Wakandans, perhaps just not here. I think... Um, while it didn't necessarily serve Sam's story that directly, it was good to include like what is an extremely technologically advanced and powerful nation, mm. a black nation in the Wakandans into this story to some degree as well, to yeah, at least, true. you know, feel their influence. We're talking about like what America, the history of America has done to um, people of African origin and where that situation is now. Then like that contrast of like well this is what we did over here Mm. america sort of took you in as slaves made you build this country and then abused the fuck out of you um for its own gain and you want to be a part of this like there's something to that though i didn't think they explored it all that much what would have been great is like obviously when sam goes and gets his suit done Mm -hmm. to like actually see him I don't know, in Wakanda with Wakandans hanging out and then they help him make his Captain America costume. I would have lo- fucking loved that scene. That could have been cooler than just Bucky Ugh. saying, hey, can you do me a favour, please? And giving mm. him a a suitcase and going, here you go, bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could, have been, that could have been cooler. I think so as well. Least favourite and favourite episode. What was your least favourite episode? I think you've already given this one away. I have. <laughs> it's episode three. It's when they go to Madripoor. Um <sighs> Yeah, this might be a great episode if you really love Zemo, I guess, in the comics. Um, and I found Madripoor so poorly realised. Yeah. 
Uh, it doesn't feel like a real place. It looks cheap. There, mm-hmm. far as I can see, are little to no Southeast Asians there. Even uh, I know it's meant to be. be like a pirate colony, but you would assume there were people from that region would be there. Um, yeah. I was like, the climate must be super different since everyone is in leather jackets. Like, what yes. the fuck? What about the yes. humidity? Um, <laughs> it felt silly. It looked cheap. Um, and it was when we were in Madripoor that made me go, wow, it really feels like a CW show right now. You've also got that stupid Selby woman, that British woman, who is so absurd and so cartoonish. You know that English Sorry, woman that about? is killed? Um, remember when Sam is pretending to be that different guy? They're yeah. taken to meet this person. Oh, These are like, yes. like Tilda Swinton, but not. Remember oh, her? Yes. Like how bad was that scene? Like you blocked it out, I assume, from trauma I and did. that's fine. No, I'm just remembering watching it with you on the couch now. And, yeah. and I was just like, what the so fuck bad. is this performance? This is just like, like terrible casting or directing or something's yeah. going really wrong on this yeah. scene. Yeah. Everyone <gasps> felt really incompetent. Like Sam was terrible on that phone call. It felt really hokey for bad jokes. Like it felt like cheap comedy. Um, and I... It, everything fell flat. I fucking hated this episode. And it was after this episode that made me go, oh, no, we're in real trouble for this show. I 100% agree. Yeah, I'd for- I had forgotten about that character, but that's because it was extremely forgettable and awful. Um, <laughs> just from just from yeah. the beginning, though, it's like breaking Zemo out. What the hell is going on here? Mandrapore's terrible. Sharon Carter's terrible. The episode's called The Power Broker. Power Broker mm-hmm. is arguably the worst part of this show. Mm-hmm. It just adds up for me. It felt like, yep. as you said, a CW show or an ABC Marvel show or a Netflix show like it was bad. What was your favorite mm-hmm. episode, Damask? Uh, I'm probably going to go with episode two. So we get lots mm-hmm. of Bucky and Sam together. And I, like I said previously, I think at that point the chemistry was good and what they were given was good to develop. Hopefully at that point I was hoping we would go to some really interesting places. Um, We also see them trying to kind of handling uh, the absence of Steve and they don't have any of his support or guidance. I found the scene in therapy and stuff all good. We also get to meet Isaiah, um, which is obviously horrific but it's such an important element to Sam's hesitation in being the symbol of American heroism because there's history there. But for those that don't have perhaps the context, this is a really great and kind of harrowing way to give you context as to why a black man or a black person would absolutely be hesitant. Um, Yeah. I thought it was really good. Good setup. Uh, I think it's important to recognize as well, we haven't really gone in deep into that, what they were really discussing, aside mm. from like the overarching thing here. I don't think we're the right people to really talk about that. There are lots of people who are talking mm. about sort of what Isaiah Bradley's story means to them or what it's sort of saying about uh, America and its relationship with black Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're the right people to talk about that. So, But, ho- but I agree with you that that was... Probably the most important and fascinating part of this show. I think mm. um, the real heart of the show comes from that. For me, it's it's actually why episode five, Truth, is my favorite episode. We mm-hmm. start with the excellent confrontation, probably the best fight scene in the show between Sam and Bucky and John Walker, where they have to take the shield from him. It was brutal. It was extremely well motivated on both sides. Um, love, 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 love that. And then the rest of the episode is basically Sam trying to figure out whether he's going to take the shield up or not. And that involves conversations with Bucky, conversations with the sire, conversations with his sister, and like getting to a point where he's like, okay, 
this is going to piss people off, but I'm going to do it and this is why. And mm. I think it's it almost like if they just stopped the show there, it would have been like, cool, great work, everyone, let's go home. But they had all this flag smasher bullshit they had to fix to deal with in the last episode, unfortunately. So we got one more. Uh, predictions, hopes, and concerns. So I think we're not actually going to get a Falcon and the Winter Soldier season two. I don't mm. think we're going to get a Captain America and the Winter Soldier spin-off show. I think the the next stage for this general like military side of the MCU on TV is going to be Armor Wars, which is the Don Cheadle uh, Disney Plus show we're getting. It was mm-hmm. a War Machine and Secret of Secret War, I think it is, or Secret Invasion, sorry, which is the one with Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn's Skrull character we know is mm. going to be in it. Nice. I think that's where we're likely to see the continuation of some of this stuff. So really, the continue- the next step for Sam and Bucky is likely going to be the movies, or at least first, which is Captain America 4. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that looks like from a plot perspective, but I f- do feel like, if nothing else, the show has put me in a situation where I'm looking forward to spending more time with those characters and seeing what they can do as part of the bigger MCU cinematic um, stories and world. How do you yeah, feel about I those? Guess, I just hope that the bulky and awkward setup of these <laughs> two having a new dynamic is over. And so moving forward, we can focus more on Bucky and Sam being a team. I'm hoping that the next film is good. I worry that it might be another paint-by-numbers superhero film. Um, which would be disappointing. Um, yeah, I really hope it's not, but I don't know what it looks like otherwise because this show really felt like kind of the worst version of a Marvel film. So I'm worried. The Captain America films so far have been pretty much the best, like the most solid of any sort of one branch of the MCU on film, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has a lot to live up to, which is a big deal. Yeah. But I do, I think I think if we're lucky, the good news is that we've got our characters to a place where it doesn't need to be this awkward, like bring them together anymore. They just are, and we accept that for what it is. That can also mean not just they work as a team, but they can have some real confrontational conflict between mm. them, which is yeah. a good thing to have, I think, as There's well. There's still as- so much there, which is yeah. I'm excited to look at. Yeah. And- there should be a fallout of Sam. We we got to the point where Sam took up the mantle. He mm-hmm. hypothesizes there's going to be fallout from this. I hope that's what that film is about. What's the fallout of Sam Wilson being Captain America, mm. this black man for the first time being known to the public as being Captain America, taking up the shield and that symbol. And mm. I do hope that they feel empowered to tell more stories like that, um, but keep it more focused on that and don't feel like you have to have this Four villains, but I don't think they would for the cinematic, for the film no. stuff, but we'll see. Uh, Zemo, I reckon there's probably going to be a Thunderbolts film at some stage, and Zemo will be a part of that. That seems likely. Thunderbolt Ross is a part of the MCU already. He there, He's on the raft, which is where all the, be- the supervillains are being kept. Uh, they'll want a way to include these guys in upcoming films. They'll start making Thunderbolts films, and Zemo will be part of that. That'd be my guess. John yep. Walker. Um, 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 US agent now. Yeah, I mean the fact that Julia Louis Dreyfus. Did I say that right? I always get her name wrong. Julia Louis Dreyfus. I think that's right. I'm such a huge fan, but I've never been able to master it. Um, 
Yes. Just say Elaine. So, Elaine's in this Elaine. now. <laughs> that feels yeah. really disrespectful. <laughs> um, so the fact that she's in it, I think they might have a TV show in mind for her. I mean, I would fucking love that because she was. Yeah. She, I mean, she, every time she's on screen, she's fire. Even in this show, everything that came out of her mouth, I was like, fuck, you're so good. Um, so I would love perhaps like an anti-Nick Fury TV show. Why not? Interested in that. Um, yeah, that's kind of like anti-Captain America kind of vibing with that as well. They, I mean, can they make it interesting though? Because like we said about this show, in theory, there are a lot of things in theory that could have worked. Um, yeah just like this anti-Nick Fury show in theory sounds cool in my mind, but who the fuck knows what it's going to look like or what's going to come to fruition. Yeah, I don't think she's going to be in Captain America 4. I think we're going to see John Walker, US agent, probably in Secret Invasion or Armor mm. Wars would be my guess. And that's where we're going mm-hmm. to see that sort of more unfold in those things. But I could be wrong about that. Uh, yeah. It is fascinating, though, getting Julia Louis-Dreyfus into this and then... Uh, who played, I've forgotten all of a sudden, blanking, in WandaVision, who played Agatha? Oh, Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn as well. Just the casting choices for these like, would you say middle-aged, sort of great comedic character actors into the MCU? sounds That's a very good move, Marvel. If you want to keep including mm. those sorts of like, um, actors, uh, actresses in this in this case into the MCU and finding places for them. Great, I'm there. Keep doing it every Keep show. Right. Find another like '90s peaking comedic actress and just yeah. throw them straight into the MCU. If you, I Let's can't wait it. to see Deborah Messing. Um, exactly right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, if they also <laughs> want to include them together, maybe a little bit of kissing, uh, whatever, you, whatever oh, you want. Sure. Marvel, but um. <laughs> do you feel- <laughs> Madam Just Hydra a bunch of, and like, Agatha. Middle-aged, like, villainesses making out. Yes. Sure. I'm into it. Let's do it. Let's head to I the raft. I see that. Sharon Carter. I'm also guessing Secret Invasion or Armor Wars. Maybe Captain America 4 because she has been in the previous Captain America films, mm. or at least two of them. That gives her a good ch- better chance of showing up there. Okay. Really out there theory. Because mm-hmm. Sharon Carter makes no fucking sense in this show. Mm-hmm. What if she's a scroll? I what if Sharon that. Carter isn't Sharon Carter? Because the one other time that mm. I can think of in the MCU where characters weren't behaving quite like themselves and frustrated me, the end mm. of the movie revealed they were scrolls the whole time. I'm talking yeah. about Nick Fury and um, what's her uh, name? Is that with M? Maria Hill. Thank you. Yeah. Maria Hill in mm. Spider-Man. Home coming? Yeah. No, far from home. Yeah. At the end of the film, we find out that was scrolls the whole time. Mm. Um, now that yeah. was not a nefarious secret invasion type scenario. They were just filling in for those um, those characters who were mm-hmm. off doing other things. Nick Fury's in space somewhere with the scrolls. But if secret invasion is still potentially going to be about scrolls invading the Earth, which was what the comic books was about, and they were taking over recognizable characters. And we had no. We it's revealed over time that they've been like that for quite a while. Mm. Sharon Carter, who's now sort of embedded herself in the military inside the U.S. government, and is we don't know who she's working for. She's got some secret. Oh, bro, that would do so much work in 
making this better. I really, if, I fucking hope that's true. It's, if I mean, it sounds find legit. Out, it sounds legit. I mean, I really fucking hope you, you're right on this one because that it would, would make, make a, so it would just better. help so much. Yes. <laughs> it would again yeah. stand out as being an obvious thing. Like if we get to a point where it's like Secret Invasion, there are some secret scrolls out there. Sharon Carter is at the top of my list, mm. but yep. it would help a lot to help me swallow why they did what they did and the fact that she just doesn't make any sense to me in this show. Yeah. Finally, before we wrap up, now that we've gotten through two MCU Disney Plus TV shows, how are you mm-hmm. feeling about the upcoming Loki series? Um, well, I think I've mentioned earlier that I was never really psyched for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like, mm-hmm. it just didn't look like my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I was really excited for WandaVision and after seeing a few trailers for Loki, really excited for that because it looks a bit weird, timey-wimey kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, multiverse stuff. It has piqued my interest and because yeah. I loved WandaVision so much, I'm actually my expectations are still quite high for Loki. Every Everything that's come out that I've seen has made me go, Fuck yeah, that is a show I want to watch. Whereas all the trailers for Falcon Winter Soldier never really got me there. Um, so, so far, marketing has usually been in line with my expectations. Yeah. Um, so, that it, I, I think it's promising. Yeah. I'm still very excited for Loki. I think mm. ever since the reveal trailer been like, this looks really weird mm-hmm. and different and fun and yep. cool. And the second trailer only enhanced that for me. Mm. I was even more into it. I think the pairing of Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson seems to be working a treat. I think what's different also about Loki compared to WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that those two shows had the task of trying to make us care about characters that up until now we haven't really cared about. Mm. Loki doesn't have that problem. (laughs) Loki has been a fan favourite for an extremely long time through all three, four, four, three, three Thor films that have come before this. And also he was the main villain in Avengers. Mm -hmm. He is totally already in that top tier list. Giving him just more opportunity to be appreciated and admired, putting him in this fish out of water scenario they seem to be doing, Everything about Scream's perfection to me. And one of the interesting things about this as well, I don't think what we're getting a second season of WandaVision, Falcon the Winter Soldier. They've already talked no. about Loki potentially having multiple seasons. And that probably means that it's not going to be all about just getting us to some other place in the movies or mm. in a different TV show that hasn't even been announced or whatever. It's going to be a more self-contained story that they can continue to build on in their own time that's kind of semi-detached from the main continuity as opposed to what WandaVision and Falcon Witch Soldier were doing. That could be a recipe for success. I'm really, really, really looking forward to talking about that and watching that soon. I think that's it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers are from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back with an off-topic, hot-topic episode. Hopefully, Paul Mitzi of the Swapcast podcast will be joining us as well. And the week after that, we'll be back with our review of The Soprano Season 5. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye
so neatly. <laughs>